Welcome back to Unemployed with Anna Roisman. I love saying it. You know, I, Unemployed just rings true to me right now. Uh, I guess because it's Sunday, but also it was a slower week. Uh, so I felt very unemployed this week. But you know what? Next week is, is a new week. So it could be it could be very busy. Um, I'm very excited for our episode today. I mean, I got to say, we have one of the hottest comedians in New York City on. Uh, and she's a fellow Jewess. And I always love... I love seeing this girl whenever I run into her. And you know what? After this, she'll be my best friend. So it'll happen even more. Um, But she's a very funny comedian, a songwriter. You might know her hit song, 100 Tampons. I mean, it went super viral all over the internet, all all over TikTok. If you haven't, literally go to her TikTok after this and watch it. Um, But you can catch her performing stand-up and singing all over New York. We've got Marsha Belsky with us today. Hey, Marsha. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here here. Thank you for being here. I mean, you, you look great. You got this beautiful mural behind you. She's, you know, rocking It's a tapestry. Out. A it's tapestry gorgeous. from Society6. Love. I don't work for them, but they just got a free ad. <laughs> bleep it, bleep it so that people don't know. <laughs> oh my God. How are you? How are you on this beautiful, it's Marathon Sunday in New York City. Yes, I didn't realize that. I used to live <laughs> like on Bedford Ave, um, right like on the marathon route. So I okay. could watch it from like, I lived in like a six floor walk up and it was actually really beautiful because I never gave a shit about the marathon, but like where I could be stationary and warm and watch like thousands and thousands of runners like just like accomplish this big deal thing. It was actually really beautiful. I was like, okay, I kind of get it now, but I would never sort of like go to a marathon. You yeah. Know what I mean, of my yeah. own free will, but it was great. It was great when we just lived, we just lived right there. So yeah, yeah I didn't nice. realize it was happening. Today, we did so like, congrats. I I wouldn't go. I know it was, it's, it's, I get emotional watching them. I'm like, wow, you're doing something I could never do. Oh, and there's like, people cheering for them and they're yeah. like waving back and it's like so cute. I got emotional. There was a girl and she was running it and like her friends saw her. I'm like, wow, like they, you know, and she stopped and like hugged them and then like kept on going. I'm like, oh my God, she found her people like uh-huh. out of thousands of people. That, but, I love that too. It's cool. Cause like there's, it goes throughout all five boroughs. So like, yeah. you know, people will be like, Hey, like we'll be at mile 24 or whatever, you know, and they'll give their friends like water. And there are people set up like along the way, who just go to give total strangers like water and granola bars. Like, yeah. I think that's, it's a sweet, like, it's a sweet thing. There was a woman um, with a box of donuts and she was holding a donut out. And I literally was tempted to be like, I haven't had breakfast. Like, I'm not like, running, but like, can I yeah. please have one? <laughs> My experience with the marathon too is like where you're like, don't realize it's happening. And then you have to get across the street, but there's truly <laughs> no way for you to get like the block over that you need to, or you're like in an Uber and they're like, look, I like, yeah. you're like, yeah, I don't know. I've had to like be like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. There's a marathon. <laughs> it's funny because this morning I literally was like, we should go to that donut place in Greenpoint. And Jared's like, we're never going to get across. Like yeah, you can't don't go anywhere. And here I am trying to walk to get a donut. <laughs> These people are fucking rushing, you know, running 26 miles. I, know. Um, I will say it's such extreme exercise for me. That, like, no part of me, like, envies it or, like, wants to do it. Like, I, like, completely respect absolutely everybody who does it. I think it's, like, my dad did a marathon, I think. Like, I think it's a totally, like, amazing thing. But it's not the type of thing where I'm, like, seeing someone working out and, like, eating a bagel and, like, feeling bad. I'm, like, watching them being, like, yeah, no, I love my bagel I'm eating right now. I would never want to do that. We're both happy in our lives. I'm (laughs) completely with you. I I can't run more than – I don't run, but, like, two miles, uh uh-uh, you won't. Yeah. I like to run on a treadmill. Like, I can't run on the street. I like to run on a treadmill. Like, but I can't – like, I could – I love – my exercise in pandemic has been, like, long walks. Like, I just love – hours like I could walk for hours and like I'll be tired when I get home but in it I don't feel like shit like that's exercise I have to do like I like running on a treadmill occasionally (laughs) but I don't like exercise where like the whole time I'm doing it I'm like I'm fucking miserable like I can't wait for this to be done like I need to be able to enjoy it so it has to be like very light yoga or like a long walk (laughs) you need a balance I got you exactly um Ellen did you watch any of the marathon today I didn't. I just saw them setting up uh, the like, you know, blocking Barricade, off the roads yeah. last night as on my way home from the movies. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
like someone who's never heard of the marathon is like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I was we were driving up through South Williamsburg yesterday, like last night, coming home from the bar, and uh, it was hard to get home because all the cops were trying to get the cars off the street on Bedford Ave, and like. You know, it's a very orthodox community there, and people were angry, and they didn't want to move their cars, and it was like, it was like mayhem out there. I was like, oh shit! Like, I, know. I guess it was weird. I but didn't even think about that making everybody move their cars. That would be annoying. They were just like towing shit. They didn't care. Wow. They were like, well, we'll get rid of them. Yeah. People got to run, you know. People um, got to run. <laughs> so, how have you been? How I mean, how is your you know employed situation in the last? How, I feel like it's seven years of a pandemic, however long we've been in this, <laughs> a year and a half, yeah. two years. My almost. employment situation's been interesting in the pandemic. Like, yeah, I feel really lucky. Um, but like when the pandemic started, I was working at this nonprofit. Um, and it was hard for me because like the hours were like very like they they cut my hours basically being like we don't like need you that much but I was still doing like a ton of work because I was essentially on call for like whenever they needed me but then they were like well you only probably did an hour or two of work today and I'm like so because it wasn't like a salaried job and you were working basically full-time for them or like a lot before the pandemic right like yeah, I was but you were working in person. for them before, yeah, in person. And, like, it was nice because, like, before the pandemic, like, you know, I it was not a full, full-time job, but, like, I had enough hours, so it was a nice balance with comedy because, like, they were chill. So, like, if I literally had to leave for, like, two weeks, even though – because I, I wasn't getting paid for it, so I would just be, like – you know, right before the pandemic, I traveled to Europe with my our friend Millie Tamara. Yes, I remember. Oh, my God. I remembered that trip and being like, they're going to get stuck in Europe. Like, I mean, it was crazy because we I feel really like blessed, like because we got back because also people don't understand, like in hindsight, like at the time we knew about COVID, but nobody knew that it was going to be anything different than like swine flu, which right. did not like shut down the world so like at comedy shows people were like oh covid like people were still joking about it because Uh, no one we knew really had it it was still like very like obviously that's fucked up i'm not saying we shouldn't have like been better educated but like i remember this girl i did a show with like her dad came back from china where covid had gotten serious but like we this was like january or february but like none of us really knew it was that big of a deal Mm -hmm. and her dad took quarantining like very seriously and she did this joke where she was kind of like teasing him about it like this guy literally won't come out of his room looking back it's like this he was just doing the right thing that you're supposed to like right i'm like smartest man yeah was just trying to not get his family sick with covid so he like came back and completely stayed in his room for two weeks and like would not leave for anything like you know um yeah we had no idea i mean i recorded the podcast with someone literally like the day before shutdown and we were both like i think my show's canceled tomorrow night exactly bummer we've been like i (laughs) came back from europe with a cough like but still just felt like it was a cold and we also were just sort of learning that like for healthy like young people sometimes covid just kind of looked like a cold and it was different for everybody and stuff like that i think i fully got it Mm -hmm. in europe but we came back and then two days later travel shut down so oh like i God. came back i went to work was like coughing they're like go home and then work from home after that forever <laughs> like so there's Ugh. still shit i went into like my old office and like my friend like sent me you know i had like food stashed in my drawers and so she's like can we throw this away i'm like yeah i mean <laughs> it's so old now that was always crazy it's people going back to their offices after like a year and a half and there's like a tangerine they left on their desk that's been like rotted. <laughs> so true. You know. Oh god. So that was and then I got to quit that in November cuz I found this like full-time job working customer support for a food delivery app. Okay. Um this was a year ago. This was yeah, a year ago now at this point. And I was so grateful for that because a comic hooked me up with it and it gave me like I was not having consistent income throughout the pandemic, so it was kind of stressful cuz I had like I was just sitting around a lot but didn't have a lot of money to spend. Like I wasn't online shopping at the beginning of the pandemic. Like I didn't have extra right. spending money. Same. So then- we were laid off on February 14th, 2020. 
a oh, month. Valentine's Day? One month before the pandemic. So, yeah, we were already, like, they stranded. off on Valentine's Day? You know? Yeah, it, it was like it, the it, Valentine's Day massacre. It we really just, was. Like, mowed down. But it was uh, funny. It was really cold, actually, though, because, like, people do have to, like, go out to dates with their, like, spouses and stuff, and then you're going to yeah. be grumpy as hell. It's actually my um, <gasps> my anniversary with my boyfriend. <laughs> so I didn't put a damper on that. things. <laughs> Actually, that we met up so for drinks up. that night on, uh, or didn't we? Yeah, that's like, like the epitome of like jobs expect this like loyalty to like to them, and then like they do not even think of you as a human. Like no. when it comes down to it, like they will not do one thing to spare your feelings <laughs> or your life. Like, yeah, well, they usually do it like on a Friday. I think that's their way of being like, well, it's you know the end of the right. week. They'll have the weekend to like cope with it, but you know, I mean, sure. wait till Monday. Like give people the week. Like that. I don't know. Like. I guess I don't know how to handle that if Valentine's Day falls on a Friday and you were planning on <laughs> laying off the entire fucking team, but... The best was we were already really good at sitting at home being unemployed and then cut to one month later. I was like, oh, everyone's everyone's home now. Yeah, join <laughs> us. Welcome. That is funny. That is funny. <laughs> My friends who are already, like, collecting unemployment and then the pandemic hit and it became this very, like, normalized thing you know yeah. and so then yeah. like it wasn't a weird thing at all to be like i'm unemployed like everybody was like yeah i mean me too <laughs> like yeah yeah and it's like everybody was just like collecting yeah i never got unemployment though but because i it's such a pain like it takes so long yeah but. it's not fun but it's nice when it does come in it was it, it does was, come in it, and it comes in we're getting like a thousand a week and shit like at the height of the pandemic yeah it was crazy but, so you got this yeah. job working for a food company. So were like your hours just on your time at home and you were like able to No. So the nonprofit was like that. So the trade-off was like I didn't have any money coming in, but it felt really stressed because it was a high stakes job. I don't want to name who the nonprofit is because yeah, they're don't like name really anything. nice people, but the job was like it was a high stakes job, you know, it worked with yeah. elderly people. And so it was like, I was very, it was too emotionally. Like I kind of thought that I was entering that job to do data entry and then ended up like basically being a social worker. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the thing is with my day jobs. The one thing it has to be is that I can't be emotionally invested at all yeah. because I'm emotionally invested in comedy. Like mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I've learned very early on. I can't divide between both and that's what's the hardest thing is about finding day jobs because now there's this bullshit thing where people are like yeah if you're gonna be a receptionist you still have to be absolutely passionate about hedge fund stocks yep, or whatever yep. and it's like why do I have to be passionate about your stupid startup why can't you just have me work here and be competent and like <laughs> the bosses that have really loved me know that that's what they're getting with me and yeah. don't mind that they're like you don't need to love my company just do your job and I yeah. thrive with them because I just can't do the emotional investment like I, I was gonna say job, I was gonna say it's it's so funny because there are so many times and I would talk about this when I started this whole show and podcast that like I would go in for an interview for a receptionist job which I did for four years and they'd be like you seem really like too qualified <laughs> for this job and I was like no this is exactly what I want like I want to work nine to That's five I don't want to have anything more than like what you need me to order yes. for this place or what answer the phone and like and, like, and I'll leave. be the smartest receptionist you'll ever have that's the trade-off where I'm like if y'all were smart like literally I'm gonna be competent and I have no goals of upward mobility yeah. so you don't have to worry about oh how are we gonna get a new receptionist when Marsha wants to become a lawyer because I'm not becoming a lawyer right I will stay your receptionist <laughs> forever and ever and ever the trade-off <laughs> is i'm gonna come to work high and i'm going to <laughs> not care about your i thought for so long i was going into these jobs blazed out of my fucking mind because that was the only way i could deal with like how like i liked a mentally unstimulating job some people were like i like this job because it's very like mentally no i want a job that's not busy i want to zone out i want to be on my phone that's what passes the time for me i don't want like busy makes the day go past no no i'd rather I the agree. day go by slow and i do absolutely <laughs> nothing at all but like um, i love her she's <laughs> like i'm gonna give it to you straight i'm gonna be stoned and i want nothing to do with this I mean, place <laughs> well except for i would get so stoned like before work and on my lunch and i thought that i was so like discreet like I was like yeah I mean they don't know I'm high fully like on my last day of this job like my boss was like all right say no to drugs I was like wait oh he my god just didn't care like <laughs> I was like that's so interesting but good boss I mean he was cool but um but yeah so then I got this uh food delivery app which was like or it was like customer support 
And listen, it was amazing. Like, I'm so grateful for the comic who hooked me up with it because I had more money coming in. They sent me a fucking brand new Apple computer, which, of course, I didn't get to keep. But I had my computer was so slow at the time that, like, for them to send me a normal computer was such I could zoom with my friends. Like, I was like, nice. amazing. And then but it was the worst job oh, no. I've ever had in my entire life because it was like. You know, you're answering the phone for customers and restaurants who are having problems with this like food delivery app. And we don't even do our own food delivery. We like partner with DoorDash who are like, oh, yeah, just insane. So it's like, it was absolutely hell because I thought since I had worked at restaurants and stuff that I would just be able to like deal with it and zone it out. I just I can't like it's like even just one person being like a snippy to me, like because they're stressed, like it just changes like the course of my whole life and day so I got to a really dark place <laughs> but eventually thank god um yeah so basically so you blah, got blah, you left right you're not doing that anymore well it was interesting because so I started training for that job in November and mm-hmm. then truly my second day of training the 100 tampon song blew up on TikTok because oh I god. wasn't people don't know like I didn't post the video that made it blow up like I wasn't even on TikTok like who did Somebody, Comedy Central? No, it's my friend, this guy um, whose name is Jose Paz. He also goes like I, his two usernames, like Jose Joseb and then Jose Paz. Um, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. So he like he also does these like Bob's Burgers, like Linda. And Pre- let me look up his actual thing because I always like guess it, and then later I'm like, did I say that right? <laughs> um, but so he messaged me, and he was like, you know basically like yeah jose pause um paz he was basically like you know i had known him i had done a couple shows with him and stuff and he was like um i want to do a lip sync to your 100 tampon song because i think it'll really pop off um because he understood what i didn't understand which is how things go viral on tiktok is the sound clips yeah mm-hmm. is people take the same sound clip and do a billion million different videos to it and that's what happened to my song yeah so he just did this lip sync to it but that was like back in August. So he did that back in August. That got like 50,000 likes. Right. And I was like, that's incredible. And mm-hmm. I didn't think a thing of it. Cut to like November. Another one goes like hugely viral. This time it gets like a million likes or something. Though I think it was the girl Krista Allen, um, who's from 13 going on 30. She's like an actress who's got a big TikTok following. And she did a lip sync that super popped off. Which because like honestly, because what TikTok loves is to take creative people stuff and have hot people like <laughs> absolutely absolutely it. yeah and that's and I don't I don't fault her for that she was the sweetest most lovely girl like she always like credited me and we like dm'd a couple times like I, she's great that's nice but I, I was but gonna I was say also, like, you got credit on tiktok I, yeah if you're listening to this and you're use, you're a heavy tiktok user it's so it's flattering it's nice and it's the right thing to do because no one's like paying you to for the rights to your music or oh, anything and it's crazy because well thank god because that's what jose said to me he goes i'm gonna put your name in the sound clip so that if it gets shared people will know it's you because once I so obviously later just like everybody in the pandemic I did eventually get on TikTok got fully addicted now I've lost my mind to it but like yeah me too so he there are people I've seen videos like 700,000 likes that's just somebody lip syncing a comedian stand-up bit but the comedian's name is not in the oh, sound no. clip. So it's all these people in the comments being like, who is this? Who is this? And I know who it is because it's like a random New York comedian who I've yeah. done open mics with. And right. I'm like, does that comedian even know that they have 700,000 people listening to their bit but don't know it's them? My name was in the clip and still people were like, song by Krista Allen, song by <laughs> like, you know, oh, no. June Diane Raphael did this lip sync. That was like the craziest thing to me because I'm such a big fan of hers. I love and her it, so it's, much. It's so clear she's lip syncing. And then she also put the caption song by Marsha Belsky. And then all the comments were like, you have such a good voice, June. Like, so, <laughs> I was like, listen, I don't, I can't be like petty about the fact that people are just fucking dumb. But like, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the internet. You know what I that's mean? The internet. Like, like I had this one tweet go viral and someone quote tweeted it and put who wrote this? It's like what? Me. It's like the first oh, time you're quote tweeting. Like what are you talking about? Oh, I love so, it. You know, some yeah. people are really oblivious. My mom thinks you can uh my mom asked me how I can have how she can have my stories for herself permanently. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> literally okay. screen recordings. That's literally, so we were at cute. like my cousin's wedding, and you know, I storied like photos and videos of the wedding or whatever. And she's like, "And how can I have that forever?" And I was like, "Well, it's already gone, mom. This was it's like two weekends ago, mom. You can't hold on to it, mom." That was oh my god. The the funniest was so. Demi Lovato shared to her stories a clip of Krista Allen lip syncing my song. Okay. Having to explain that to my mother was the most complicated (laughs) conversation I've ever had in my life. She's like, so Demi Lovato shared her singing it. I'm like, no, she shared a different actress lip syncing it, but it's my voice. She's like, but like literally I could show you the text. It's like, it was like, (laughs) <laughs> 30 minutes of me just trying to explain the different levels of what she technically posted that was oh mine my I was like, nobody knows it's me mom but she did share it but, <laughs> so, I love it oh my yeah. god so basically that song went viral right when I started that job so mm-hmm. it was this very like kind of emotionally tough like juxtaposition for me because I was not like feeling like really like the happiness of like the moment because I was very stressed you were training. by yeah. this job. And then once I started the job, it was brutal. So I'm like trying to be like, how do I capitalize on this? 100 tampons. How do I start making money? How do I? This is what I've always wanted. Yeah. But like the reality was like people like being the like the most abusive I've ever had to deal with at at a job. It wasn't mm. the company's fault. Honestly, like they were a pretty good place to work. They give really good benefits and they like whenever you tell them people are mean, you're allowed to like if someone like cusses you out, you're allowed to like hang up on them. You right. Know? But um Right. But that's the job you're doing is people will fucking call and and bitch you out because, you know, their their food yeah. is wrong. And so it, you don't you're like, like- I, you're not even a part of the restaurant. You're not even a part of the delivery process. You're just like this, uh, uh, you know, like obscure person in the ether who they have to like who gets the shit thrown exactly. at Exactly. <laughs> like, because that was the thing, too. I had no authority. So they're just like yeah. yelling at me and I can't even do anything to fix it, which is like. At least if you work customer support, the whole thing is normally (laughs) whatever. But so that's why it's like people don't get that with comedy. Like sometimes, at least for me, like that's kind of the hardest part because it's like I don't really feel like Marsha Belsky, the comedian, can't really like see that side of myself when I'm very like deep in like to these like very stressful because that was like it was like nine hour shifts, five Mm -hmm. days a week. So it was a full full time job, which I needed during the pandemic. I was like really grateful for. But like it was just like very degrading. So I don't feel like it's like, you know, on on my phone, people are like, you're a star. And it's like, I could not have felt less like that. Yeah. In that moment. But I didn't want to be like ungrateful. It's like, I still felt, you know, extremely like, but it was just weird because I didn't. I'm feel bummed like, about that because I remember seeing it. I probably even DM'd you or texted you. I was like, oh my God, like you're killing it right now. It was everywhere. <laughs> it, it was, was like, now I so can cool. look back and be like, and I'm, you know, I feel happy and stuff. But I think that's what was really hard at the time is because I was being like flooded with all these congratulations. And I like really wanted to be like happy and happy for myself. But yeah. I was so stressed, like, and really, really like kind of in a dark place. And so like, yeah, so then but then it'll you know, happen again, though. Like, it, well, if it, you know what I mean? Like you have so much all of your song, any song you put out there, I feel like, like, you have such you know, your voice so well that I, it's it's obvious that it'll happen again. Like you just had to, you do. I really think you have like from your musicals to like, you know, your songs, like you, you figured out like who is Marsha the comedian. And I, I've seen you like grow. And I feel like it's, you know, if you couldn't enjoy that moment on TikTok, cause you know, TikTok gives you, they give you it when they feel they like give it. And they take exactly. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I had that one with one of my videos and then you're like, Oh my God, I'm a, I made it. And then you're like, Nope, cut to a couple months, you know, maybe you'll get a big one again, but who knows? Oh my God, that is funny. Yeah. Cause I started doing like a couple just like random, like non-singing like videos for TikTok. And then one of them like really popped off and I'm like, wow, I'm just like so good at this. This is easy. <laughs> and then like tried to do more and like nothing like I was like actually this is embarrassing no but- it comes it, it comes and goes like I'll I, I do them all the time I love the app I think it's so fun it's just you lose yourself on it you're not like staring at Instagram where you're like wow I feel like a loser I'm not doing as yeah. many shows as other people though they're, they're on tour they're opening they're just, and I'm like wow TikTok I'm like wow I'm gonna make this fucking pasta dish yes. that this, this <laughs> random uh, lady's making I love the recipes on TikTok that's my favorite part but yeah um, but yeah, so then it was nice because then basically cut to like 
June and I was like really at the end of my rope with this job already, which I had planned like on being there for like a couple years. And I was like, no, I'll probably <laughs> die if I do that. Um, I love that you planned on being there a couple of years. You set yourself up. You're I mean, like, I was like, it's a good stable job. I can work from home even after the pandemic's over. I was like, how was I thinking that? Like, because I was thinking too, I was locked in like from 11 to 9 p.m. I was just like sitting in yeah. my fucking house and I wasn't even going on walks like and it was winter. I, it got so bad. I would add, as soon as work ended, all my brain could do, I would turn on glee because it was like mush. That's how depressed I was because it was just like peas <laughs> and mush for my brain. you needed glee? I don't know what it is, dude. Like something about like I love you. and like <laughs> and it's like because it's the show. It's like I literally like. It's so bad, but it, like, has enough plot that my brain can be, like, entertained and I'll stay off my phone. Yeah. But, like, it's so horrible that I can also, like, watch it, like, detached and ironically, like – but I could, that got depressing, too, because I was, like, watching this awful show having dreams of, like, Leah Michelle at night. I mean, like, I'm going <laughs> to fucking kill myself. Like, and then, but then, yeah, so then I got to quit this job in June because cause of the 100 tampons thing. Like, I had these, like, jingles – and like a couple gigs come in like right at the perfect time. Amazing. So that I was like, you know what? It all works out. It all works out eventually. And like, you know, have been just kind of like gigging, like, you know, gig to gig since then, which has been like really, really nice. So it's a little, it's a different type of anxiety, but I kind of made a choice of like, I'd rather have that anxiety of like, you know, being nervous, like, cause you got to get a big check every month or two, basically. Mm-hmm. Then have the stability of like a 50 hour a week day job where I feel like I'm not working towards any of my goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm busy all the time. That's where I'm the most depressed is like when I'm busy all the time working towards nothing that I love. Like yeah. that is just the worst, the worst feeling. I mean, you, you just said it like that's, I chose to do it, you know, God bless, but like, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, for the listeners I, at home, Anna just knocked on her head. Because that check better fucking happen next month. You know what I mean? But I know. like, yeah, it, it's funny because there is a time and I think you go through phases in your life where you need that stability. And I think there's a lot of people, we've talked to a lot of people on this podcast who have jobs that they're like, well, you know, it pays the bills and it, but is it fulfilling? Maybe not. And if you have other goals, like it sucks, but you have to take that chance, you know, like even if you have a little money in the saved up, like, like just the more you, the like more you have time to focus on like what you really want to be doing, uh, something comes out of it. Like you put out your song. It might not be that song, you know, maybe you didn't get a platinum record off that song, but you, you booked some jingles or you got this or you got that or, you know, yeah. people saw it and, and they want you And I think it kind things. of evens out because, like, I realized when I'm, like, working at jobs like that and I'm making a good amount of money, I spend so much more money on, yeah. like, retail therapy and drinks and food, like, seamless because it's my only source of like joy and serotonin like Mm -hmm. and so I was like it kind of evens out financially because I'm like all right well I have more time to cook now Mm -hmm. so I don't order in as much when I'm not working because I understand I don't have that money to burn you know and it's like that's fine with me and then it's like occasionally I get a seamless and it's and it's really nice but it's like some people can find that stability but I also reach the point with my jobs where like like I would be like genuinely pissed off that they like expect me to do the job that they hire me for and I'm <laughs> yeah. like well that's not fair to them because like you know they hire me to do this job and I get in there like instantly like mm. That's not going to work for me. (laughs) She's like, I need a long lunch hour. Uh, (laughs) And I also rally people around me because that's what I had to realize about myself. I have a personality, whether I like it or not, where like if I start bitching to people, it makes them start thinking about things. Like so like I did that at my last job where I'm like, you know, it is actually kind of bullshit that they partner with DoorDash and like leave it all on us. Like start listing the issues with all the abuse we have to tolerate and how they can fix it, A, B, and C. And all my coworkers are like, Wait, yeah, that is pretty fucked up. <laughs> like, like, always, like, Lead the revolution, the Marcia. You got this. We stand behind you. <laughs> and bosses do not like no. me for that because, like, when I'm unhappy, I think they know that it's going to, like – But I feel like I have some kind of bratty power in that because I feel like for morale, they're like, let's just keep – let's just pacify Marcia so she doesn't fucking revolt the place, like – <laughs> and I always kind of get away with a little more bullshit than everybody else because they're like, let's just keep her happy. Like, 
I just picture Marsha and her next interview, you know, if you ever want to interview for a job. And they're like, how, was your, how, how did it end at your last job? You're like, well, before the revolution or after? Because Wait, that's so funny. It's like they're great. asking me and like cut to like me in a flashback. Like, do you hear the people sing? Like I'm like waving the red flag. Please write like, this scene. I will I will be the I will be there standing by you with my flag, you know? Oh, my God. That's so funny. I love it. Uh, yeah. So then I haven't had a day job since. June. Congrats. Um, I, congrats. I it. It's scary sometimes, but if you ever want to like hang out at like 2 p.m., you know, 9.30 a.m., whatever hour, I am your girl because I never have a job in the day either. Exactly. <laughs> well, now that I don't work though, like I don't like do – like I. it's really hard for me to like I, – That's. I thought I would, you know, get up and like go to a coffee shop and like meet people, but I kind of realized like Especially with comedy shows at night where it's like I feel like I just store up all of my energy during the day now because that's what stressed me out about having a job always that I realized about myself is that I don't like being social with people like in the morning. Like I don't – I think if I I had – I didn't actually mean that. I don't – I had breakfast at 3 p.m. Oh, no. We could go to a coffee shop, Anna. No, no. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking in general because I thought I would be like hanging with my friends and like doing stuff like that more. But I realized I'm more just like – use it as a finally like a chance to not talk to anybody until like 5 p.m. Yeah, (laughs) no, I hear you. Yeah, I've worked nights for the last, I mean, Ellen, when do we, since 2018, I've worked nights. So like the Mm -hmm. daytime is like, and a time like you know I wake up at whatever time I want to wake up if I have something I, I get up early but you know and then it's like yeah 5 p.m. is when my day is like oh okay great now tonight we're doing this or we're doing this or whatever yes I love um, it but then the problem is it's like the stuff I would use to decompress when I had a job I can't do now because then it's just like depression behavior where it's like okay if I play the Sims at like 11 in the morning and I'm unemployed, like that's, it doesn't feel good because my body's like, mm, you should go outside. You should get a fucking yes. life, you loser. Like, so now I can't really like do things like that because yeah. like I'm vegging too much as is. But it is also hard because I'm still really busy. But I think when I have my relaxation now, I feel guilty because I'm like, oh, I'm just always relaxing. I should do something. And it's a little, that is one thing when you have a clear cut day job is like when you work nine to five and you're off at five, you're like, I'm fucking off. I'm off. I'm relaxing now. I'm not at work. Like it's a little Mm -hmm. more clear cut that way. I was going to say, you know what I've done? uh, Because I've kind of done this since, I don't know, it's been like six years since I had my like day day job. But um, I start, try to give myself a weekend still like, yes, you're going to have shows on the weekend or whatever, but like, I try not to like have to do work on Saturday or Sunday just to be like, you know, I don't want to have to like edit or write as much, like give yourself that time to like sit there and play the Sims and watch Glee because it is the fucking weekend. <laughs> but people are going to be so worried about me. They're like, Jesus, I'm not watching Glee anymore. Just so y'all know. Really, <laughs> that was only during She's my like, really I'm low point. on Smash now, season one. I and, did uh, watch Smash too that I had never <laughs> seen before. And I, wait, can I tell you actually as a tangent? It was hilarious me watching Smash because I'm so grateful that I had truly known nothing about it besides the <laughs> fact that it was a musical. So then the whole first episode, they keep setting up about how they're doing this Marilyn Monroe musical. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, this must be the setup for whatever the actual plot's going to be. Because there's no way that this whole first season, <laughs> the arc is going to be about how they're doing this Marilyn Monroe musical. And then sure enough. That's what the entire show is about. Uh, nothing. I have never laughed harder in my life than when I realized that because nothing could have prepared me where I was that's like, that's so such funny. a hack premise. There's no way that like that's truly what the show is about. I thought it was going to be like a joke. Like no one would want to do a Marilyn Monroe musical. Right. But then they were like, oh, that's genius. Like I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I remember when I saw I saw it whenever it came out. I watched it like on TV back then, back in the day. And I remember thinking like – you know, I was like, oh, my my brain is like, you know, going into PR mode. I'm like, oh, I know what they're going to do. They're going to just like do the show and then like it'll premiere. The exactly. actual show will happen on Broadway. And then everybody who watches TV and doesn't see Broadway is like, well, well go. I got to see the show. I fucking watch 12, 15 episodes. I would have respected that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it Honestly, never happened. Cross promotion. Never. No. <laughs> also, Catherine McPhee, Republican. Mm-hmm. Republican. 
She once came um, into my restaurant, and I, it was like during the smash era. I guess you can't say that. Legally. She was can with you? her. Uh, I don't. I, I. I don't care. I mean, I. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, no. I think you can. <laughs> I was gonna say. I always talk about like I don't remember. You, you remember really bad tips, and then you remember like amazing people. Uh, I don't remember her because she was also with her husband, who I believe paid. I think he's yeah. a lot older than her too. I don't remember yeah. who he he's was. The Republican, and mm-hmm. she is too, but. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I will never forget Kristen Chenoweth came into my restaurant, palmed everybody money. $20 here, $20 there, $20 there. The hostess, the front desk, you know, the bartender, everybody. I, I mean, love that. And I was just like, she worked in she's restaurants. An, yeah. Like, she's a girl. She's from my hometown, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she was in like this like theater program. Like that's there was this youth theater program that everybody was like obsessed with because it became very prestigious. Because Kristen Chenoweth graduated from there. And I was like, I actually don't think the theater program's that good. I think she was always going to be a star and just, like, happened to do, like, theater at this, like, group. But and then the, all the people there yeah. are like, yeah, Marsha, you're right. This place is shit. It's just Kristen Chenoweth <laughs> came out of it. She's like, told you. I start the revolution there. Uh, that actually was always. I do think that, like, theater, like, I don't respect authority properly enough to have ever thrived in theater. Because, like, my college <laughs> professor basically made it clear to me like that's how I started stand-up because my college professor like basically made it clear to me after I got ornery like got you know uppity with him about like how like you know he did that like we're like his office hours and he's like just don't know if it's gonna work with you in this like theater program like basically like you're not ever gonna get cast in anything with me bitch like and I was like whoa bye like you went to college for theater for I didn't go specifically for theater, but I okay. was very excited to do theater. Like I like signed up like super early to like make sure I could get in the class and like because I'd kind of quit theater in high school. Okay. Um, because I was like you know being sketchy and just like hanging out with sketchy people, and then like so I was like wanted to like get back into it, you know. And then like I'm sorry, like I am really impatient, and I do think you know, but like. I just we for three months in acting 101 we didn't read a single word out of a page it was all like pacing exercises where it's just us walking around the black box at different speeds and I'm like I do know that that's valid (laughs) that is valid in terms of acting pacing is very important but after three months of doing that every single class I was truly losing my mind and finally said something along the lines of like you know, are are we going to, like, be rehearsing scenes soon? Right. And he got so, – he was, like, come to my office hours. And, like, Ugh. that's when it all, like, fell apart. Wow. Like, so I went – but then it, it was – I truly think it's, like, fate because I had this, like, very good fake ID because I was a little sketchball kid and I had, like, always <laughs> been obsessed with stand-up comedy. So I, like, went home that summer and was, like, well, I need attention somehow and, like, (laughs) you know, wrote, like, a little set and then started doing stand-up when I went back to school my sophomore year. So so I think that was I thought that you started stand-up that young. I didn't know that. That's I yeah it was <laughs> I think it fucked me up a lot. I actually kind of had a lot of realizations of that in the pandemic in terms of how like rushing through your adolescence to hang around some of the most maladjusted 30 year olds like <laughs> has long term effects once I'm 30 <laughs> is what I realized. Okay fair. <laughs> and I'm like kind of being like oh like maybe a part of me should have just been 19 for a little while like instead of like (laughs) acting older because that was the thing too is like I I wanted to be respected by the comedians I wanted to act older so then like I didn't want them to ever find out my age and then once I turned 21 I basically told them all I was a junior in college because they all like knew I was funny by that point so like they you know but I remember this where was this where were you in school I started in Portland Oregon yeah I went to school at Lewis and Clark and there was like a pretty big stand-up scene that had like kind of emerged like randomly at at the time I was there because I was there like I I did stand up there like 2010 through like 2013 so like you know that like Ron Funches came out of that scene like Ian Carmel um, Mm -hmm. Amy Miller like you know a lot of like really good comedians um so yeah but it was like I just it's like not a healthy thing like because it was like cool but now it's like you know because now I've been in comedy for 12 years and I think the pandemic was the first time I'd ever had a significant break and it made me just realize like 
you know, how much I had sacrificed in a way for like just this being like my tunnel visioned goal for so long and having Mm -hmm. to evaluate like what I'm even getting out of it and like what I want from it, you know. Mm -hmm. So but I think that's good to do. And I think it's hard when none of us really had a break. You know, it's it's a little hard getting back into the hustle mentality because I had a ton of shows and I was really grateful for that. But I was feeling really run down and like it wasn't like as fun as like I wanted it to be and that's what like you said it made me realize like I need to give myself a weekend from shows like Mm -hmm. you know shows aren't me being 22 just excited to drink around people anymore it's like I'm there you know trying to work so it's like I gotta like you know treat it more totally I feel that right now too like it's so funny I was I was talking to someone they were like do you want to do a show they were booking me on their show and I'm so grateful for any stage time but I literally my brain I said this out loud and Jared's like that's a good thing I was like wait I I can't do it I have a Monday night Tuesday night and Wednesday I go I don't know if I can handle three nights in a row like I I don't know that I'll be I'll feel good about my like that's a lot it feels overwhelming now to get from and I'm like back before the pandemic I wouldn't think twice about it I'd be like yeah exactly. Monday Tuesday Wednesday and now I do I'm multiple like, shows a night now I'm that was yeah. a big thing for me is now if I have a show at seven someone wants me to do eight thirty I'm like usually I'm like no unless it's something I like yeah. really 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 want to do because I'm like. I it's just, not worth the like go from this place to this place and the, and get exactly. and I'm like I'm like then I don't even like my set yeah I'm like it's do like you have a show the following you, week exactly it's like be like have me again in the, and then I don't like my set exactly like you said mm-hmm. it's like, or I don't feel like I'm connecting with the audience and it feels yeah. like I'm I'm kind of after the pandemic what I've really tried to do is just like. If I'm being like bratty because I'm acting that like I'm obligated to be somewhere, I'm choosing to be somewhere. So it's not the people around me's fault that I'm tired and don't want to be there because if I've chosen to be there, I need to know that that was my choice. And yeah. that's how I felt with comedy. It's like I was feeling like, uh, why is this uh, like, and it's like, yeah, it's a good thing. Like, yeah, you're booked that much. So I need to either be there, be present or take less shows. Like, yeah. November, I'm taking a way chiller schedule. And then if I feel like it's too slow, I can book more. Again, you know, like, yeah, you know. So. it's so true. I, I didn't realize that until after the pandemic or like, you know, when shows started coming back, whenever it was a year ago, six months ago. I don't know when whenever we started getting busier. <laughs> again, I'm like, I don't know what time is. It was May. May. But yeah. And it felt like I was like, ooh, I did two shows in a night. And I was like, I didn't. I didn't like my set. Like, what, what, that was a waste of me. You know, like, I felt totally. not a waste, but, you know, you're. I'm like, I would have rather have done one show and enjoyed what I was doing and felt looser. But instead, I was like, well, I didn't get here until right before I had to go on. Yes. You do the set real quick. And then you're like, OK, I guess that went well. It was a blur because all I'm focused on is like, I have to get to this next place or else I'm going to miss that. And it was just yes. I was like, I don't miss that that brain like I don't know and the rushing always feels rude like even if it's like (sighs) technically not it just always feels like when you're like sorry put me up first and then I have to leave and like stuff like that like I do like you said it's like I want to just be there yeah and it's hard with my energy levels because it's like if I have two shows like I can't it's like the offstage stuff is much harder for me at this point. Like, I love when I'm on stage. Those are the best 10 to 15 minutes of my whole night. But the yeah. waiting around to go up, the socializing, <laughs> the like, that is what's really draining for me. And yeah. so it's like running from spot to spot doing that. You're not even like, it's not even worth it because you're not like getting what you need to. For, for some people, this is just for me. It's like some totally. people enjoy doing that. And if like, if that's what works for you, that's what works for you. But yeah, it's crazy to look back because like when I first moved to New York, I mean, I was doing like three open mics a day. I was going out every single day because wow. every night I was home. It was like, what's the point of me even moving here? You know what I mean? Wow. Like, yeah. So I'm like, you know, but I think that I hit a wall. Because right before the pandemic, I was like, man, I'm really hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. And then I did the shows in London and that was super refreshing because I got to do like all my old material knowing that none of them had ever seen it. Because that's the thing with New York too, like you're performing around the same people for so long yeah. that a lot of the pressure for me feels like I want the comics to know that I'm coming up with new stuff and that I'm Totally. Funny. I feel that all the time. Yeah. 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 I don't care. Like that's the 100 tampons. Like I, I love performing it, but I feel a little bit silly when like I've done like the same show with somebody like a bunch and they've seen me do it a bunch like and see my same set like being mm-hmm. like oh, damn does she have any other fucking songs like you know 
But <laughs> but it's always in your head. Like, I'll think that, too, about myself and my jokes and everything. And then I'll do a show with someone who I'm like, I haven't seen them in a while. And I'm like, oh, well, they're doing that joke from, like, before, the like, three years yes. ago or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I feel better. Like, it almost makes me feel like, oh, cool. Like, hey, if it works for you, fucking do it. These people didn't You're see you. You're so right. It's we so true. We all feel that way. I'll see people that I respect so much mm-hmm. doing old material. And instead of being like, ugh, they're doing old material, I'm like, God, that makes me feel so much better. Absolutely. It yes. really does. <laughs> it's such a weird mind fuck. Because <laughs> I'll think that, too. Like, Oh, yeah, I, I always feel that way. And then I'm like, oh, good. Wait, you're right. Same when set. When I do, I think it's because we all really admire and respect those, like, rare comedians who just, like, you know, do a new five minutes every time. And they're just really funny because, like, they're very in the moment and they write new material and they work really, really hard. And it's like, that is a very special skill. Mm-hmm. And it's also how you keep the material engaging I think that's what's hard too is like I think you tell the same joke so many times or the do the same song and you kind of forget what you found funny about it in the first place so then the laughs become a little bit less because I think the audience kind of picks up on that when you're just like phoning in the timing but when you have like that new joke that you just like know is good I think they could tell that you're just like so excited to tell it still. Yeah. I hate, I get really bummed when I hate when I lose that. When there's like a new joke that I'm so excited about for like a few weeks or a month. And then I feel when it's just, I'm not excited about it anymore. Yep. Like, I'm like, oh, I got to come up with something new. Like, <laughs> that's how I am right now with my songs. It's like, I just, I've been doing like the same. I have a different sets, but I always usually open with this internet stalking song because it's just a really like solid, clean, like, you know, always this good opener. But I'm like, I need something new in that opening spot just so I'm excited about it again. Right. You want something new. And it's just like, you know, it doesn't happen like that. Like it kind of comes to you when it comes to you. You can't really force it. That's why it's like when you do these corporate songs, like, they're not ever going to be as funny as like your like organic material that comes to you. That's why these like corporate like creator accounts, like it's funny because it's like, they're always trying to go viral and it's like, what you're not understanding is just from the fact that it's coming from like the Wendy's account. You have to be like so many layers of ironic for people to actually want Mm -hmm. to like engage with it and share it. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's it. That's great. I was going to ask you actually about your songwriting. Like when did that start in the Marsha history? You know what I mean? Cause you were like, I wanted to be an actor. And then you were like, no, I'm doing stand up. I'm curious. When did you like sit down and start writing songs? It's really funny because I think the truth of that answer is that I did write songs when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting looking back my life because like people read me as very confident, which I am, but I'm very, very self-conscious and it's like prevented me from doing a lot. So it's like, I didn't, I didn't ever sing in front of anybody. Um, I did like musical theater and stuff, but I wasn't very confident. My voice never really got cast in the leads, never got a solo in choir. So I'd always choke the audition. So I didn't really believe that like I had like a good voice because I was around musical theater kids and I knew that I would never have that level of voice control. Now it's interesting because now I really like how interesting my voice is and that it's not like crisp, polished musical theater. And I think there's going to be like a an Elaine Stritch resurgence of like, you know, in Broadway in the 70s and stuff. <laughs> there, it wasn't like clean voices like that. It I think wasn't, people yeah. really liked it. So it's like I think that will – I think people are a little bored with how consistently good like – you know, certain musical theater voices are. Yeah. No, I was going to say, then the, it was like musical theater voices then became like pop voices, right? Exa- I mean, like, yeah. I mean, well, now everything became Ariana so Grande playing <laughs> Glinda. And that's like, that so is true. That is like what the Broadway, I feel like, became for, you know. That's so true. Yeah. Cause I think that was kind of like the influence of like Rent and like a few other things where it was like there, there was like a rock and roll, like, mm-hmm. But I think for me, it's like with the cl- more classic theater stuff, that's where it used to be you have to have that really high for I'm just speaking for women only. You had to have that really high voice that I was never going to have. That's mostly head voice. And that yeah. was, what was but then it became all about this mixed belt belt. Yes. And that's really hard. I mean, because basically all these Broadway singers like they're belting out like high ease, but it's sounding it's that mix. So it's like sounding it has to be very strong. And I just don't sing like that because also they're also all 
mezzo-sopranos, that's the most popular thing to be now as a lead on Broadway. But I'm an alto, and I think that they, for a long time, I like, I was like closeted. I was like, I'm actually a mezzo-soprano, and then like people would like look at my range, and they're like, you're definitely not. And, but I, I think they make you feel like if you're an alto, She's a closeted that you can, alto. Yeah, I'm a closeted alto. Like I would always audition for mezzo-soprano in the choir, and they'd always put me in the alto section. I'd be like so annoyed. Like, but I think they make you feel like altos don't have lead singer voices like because that's how they treat it in musical theater the yeah. alto is the character actress is the is the witch right is the, the friend the backup singer you get yes. a duet but you don't get your own song yeah exactly <laughs> so as a kid like i i wrote a ton of songs in my room because honestly i was like inspired by like avril lavigne and shit because mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. like wrote all her own songs i did that too but unlike the kind of more like confident theater kids i didn't do the talent show like i didn't like ever share it with anybody Mm-hmm. So then I met, so I, I mean, you know, I would do that throughout my life. Like even in my twenties, I'd write these very like emo, like every time I had like a breakup, like I would like write these very like emo songs, like just for me kind of. And then also, which is also my nightmare <laughs> that if I like died, like as I have my friend, I'm like, I don't need you to erase the porn. I need you to erase the heartfelt emotional songs that yeah. I couldn't. I'm like, but, no, um, we're going to find on Marge's phone. Like she wrote a hundred tampons, like at age 13, when she got her period, she did some research and she's like, I'm going to write this song right down. And I sat on it. Exactly. I was a savant, but so, but then like, um, I guess it was probably six, seven years ago. Again, like looking back all these moments in my life, I just feel like really lucky for, like I met my friend, Isabel, Isabel Martin jr. And um, she just, it was random how I met. She came into the coffee shop I worked at every Monday because she taught music lessons nearby. And I just started talking to her because I like, (laughs) the true story is honestly, and I just started telling this recently because it's been long enough where it's like, I don't have to, I'm not, none of those people are in my life anymore. And also if you've worked in food service, you know this, like before the pandemic, you could be like sick, sick, sick. And you can't call into work, like, if they don't have anybody to cover your shift. So, like, yes, it's, like, illegal. Like, you shouldn't be around people's food when you have a condition. (laughs) But I would do it all the time. And so I fully had lice. I had lice in my (gasps) hair that I think I got from the cook at work because he had kids. No. fully, fully, fully had lice. Had called in way too many times at this job. Could not call in. Couldn't tell them I had lice. So I just, like, went in. And like, you know, put my hair up in braids and kept a hairnet on and tried not to ask, answer too many questions. But then my fr- I like needed to tell somebody. And so my, this girl, Isabel, who I did not know well, very well, was there. And I'm like serving her food, like whispering, like, I have lice. Like, I'm, here. <laughs> I'm here and I have lice. And what do I do? And then we like kind of just became friends. Like, and I like, you know, from a from that massive overshare. And then I was like, you know, telling her how. I'd always wanted to do comedy and music like I'd always really wanted to do music but just like was very insecure kind of like a karaoke only like singer and then um Isabel's so cool because like she's like a mu- she's like a musician who's funny and I'm like you know a funny person who's like decently musical <laughs> and so she and so we work really well together and she was like well let's jam like you know let's like let's put something together I'm like great and she goes, great. I booked us a show in two weeks. Like I text her like a day later. She's like, I booked us a show in two weeks. So we should like get something ready. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started this group called Free the Mind. Yeah. And that was like the first comedy music stuff I ever did. Like we wrote a song called All Older White Men Should Die, But Not My Dad. That mm-hmm. was like a big hit. And then like have a bunch of other really fun songs. And so she was really like who like gave me the confidence, I think, to like access that side mm-hmm. of myself because – I'd write a lot of the lyrics and then I'd be like, you know, I just didn't feel confident in the music stuff. I felt confident in the lyrics and the comedy. Um, And I played piano my whole life, but like didn't know that I was like good at it again because I had been alongside of people who were legitimate accompanists and I'm not that good at piano. I can't, you know, play along in an orchestra and Mm -hmm. and things like that. So um, I started songwriting with Isabel And then about three or four years ago, I started writing my own stuff and doing that with the piano. And I I actually did my first song with a guitar because part of the reason was I was like, well, at these stand-up shows, what am I going to do, bring a piano with me? And now it's funny because that is what I'm doing a lot of the time. And it's like, but when I first started, I was like, I got to just use the four chords I know on guitar or just do stand-up, you know, Mm -hmm. or have a venue that has a piano, which is nice. That's why I love, I'm at Union Hall a lot because 
they have a piano in their back line, Easy, a keyboard. Yeah. All venues, I mean, if they can, I really think it's a worthwhile investment because it's just so nice and it's yeah. literally it costs them 400 bucks and it just helps out performers so much so if you're a venue listening and you're thinking <laughs> should we have a keyboard in our backline yes i recommend it um but yeah and then it's just kind of you know i was still just doing stand-up a lot and then the comedy central thing i was booked for it i was i was gonna just do stand-up but i have been doing this like really just tight 12 minute musical theater set at all the shows that had pianos at it and it was just like crushing and it made me feel so good. It made me feel like this was really what I was like meant to do. Mm -hmm. And then, but I still had this chip on my shoulder that I still kind of do about like, well, I want people to know that I'm good at stand up too. Like, right. you know how comics are. Comics are fucking judgy. And like, it's like, I wanted people to know, cause I'd worked so hard to be good at stand up that it's like, I didn't want to like give that up and just have them think that I do musical comedy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but then eventually, like, yeah, so for the Comedy Central thing, basically two days before the recording, which, so if anyone listening doesn't know, the, I did a set for Comedy Central. That sound clip is what the tampon song came from yeah. and why that went viral. So um, two days before we're supposed to record it, I go, I'm going to ask them if I can do my musical comedy. Like, for some reason, I got in my head they wouldn't want me to because they booked me for stand-up. So I was mm. like, I'm going to tell them, like, can I bring my piano? Can I do my 12-minute musical comedy set instead? They were like, of course, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. We love that. Yeah. And then, like, you know, that was my first. I was 10 years into comedy at that point. It was my first set I'd ever had recorded for, mm -hmm. like, TV and stuff like that. And it just, just like, you know what? Waited for the perfect moment. I was like, this is exactly what I'm meant to do. And it did really well. You I know? love that. You listened to your gut. You were like, this is what feels like. You know what feels good. You know what bits are fun to do. You know what always, like, even if the, no matter what the crowd is, you knew the crowd would be good because it was a set. They were taping. You know what I mean? They're going to like warm them up or yes. whatever, have good people. But if, if like you have that plus the material you really love doing right now, like, that's when Perfect. it hits. Yeah. And it's all just stuff that, like you said, like I project where it's like, I think that's one of the hard parts of having been a comedian for so long is like, you forget that we're not normal in terms of like the haterness that we bring to other people and the criticism, <laughs> like, you know, cause we all are very critical of ourselves, very critical of others. And mm -hmm. like, that can be a really hard community to be a part of for so long, even though I love comedians so much, you know, like, and I have all of that in myself, but I think I held back on the musical comedy for so long because Musical comedy is a very easy thing for people to say that they hate because mm -hmm. when it's done badly, of course, it is very corny and it is very yeah. hard to listen to. But I I had to trust that because also I have been doing stand-up for so long, my musical comedy is different because I don't like being on stage for longer than like five, ten seconds without a punchline. So it's like I'm not going to give you a three-minute song that has two laughs in it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And so I had to trust that. And it's been nice because even the comedians that I would think would be big haters – like are always like I like your stuff you know I like that I love the songs and it's like I have to remember that's like I love a ton of comedy that I would never do sure and other people feel that way too so it's like I'll look at these like absurdist comics and like think that they could never like me you know or like what I'm doing and then they always say that they do and it's like that's been a big thing I have to try and switch in my brain is just like assuming that like people mm -hmm. are gonna find what I'm doing like corny and bad you know and not just doing what I want to do like you said I love that. You're inspiring. She's giving it to me right now. <laughs> you really are. Seriously. You're making me think twice about myself and like, cause I've had this brain lately and like, you know, where I'm like, you're not doing the right things, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I really, you, you, you're spelling it out for us all. I really think it's cool that you are so self-aware and you know, you're just going with what works for you right now. I think Sometimes. it's amazing. I mean, I'm freaking out every day too. Cause it's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I have my, you know, I'm, I feel spread too thin sometimes and I can't focus on like specific things I want to do but but yeah I think you know it's like we all just gotta take this time and take a look take, take a look, take a in look inside take yeah. a look inside <laughs> I love it Marcia you're so funny um I really do want to hang out with you every time I see you yes. I'm like she's one of the real people you're very real you know what I mean she's like no bullshit Marcia Belsky you know like I think it's and I, I love that about you and we gotta get brunch again soon remember we had a really fun Jewish brunch that we one we did that uh, one day we should do that again get some more shakshuka oh yeah I love it <laughs> oh I could go for brunch again <laughs> <laughs> All I'm eating today's brunch. But, um, okay, where can be 
people find you? Where can they see your stuff? Where can they, you know, give them the handles, drop the Marsha handles. Yes. Okay. So first of all, stream my album, 100 Tampons, watch the Comedy Central set. Um, the album is on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can get it. Um, I have TikTok, Marsha Belsky, Twitter, Marsha Belsky, and then my Instagram is Marsha Sky, S-K-Y. Um, and yeah, I, I'm doing a play me and my friend jake cornell wrote a really funny play called man and woman um that we're going to be doing again in january at union hall i don't think we officially have the date yet but you know just be on the lookout and then i also have a solo hour that i've been doing called marsha belsky 100 tampons and i am doing that next december 12th at club coming yes and see me there. Oh my God, I want to come see that so badly. I haven't come. been to club coming. Okay, I'm there. I'm there. And I can't wait for you guys to do your play again because I was out of town and I asked Jake last night when it was happening again. So it went really wait. well and I was thrilled because I was like, <laughs> like I was like, they're either going to think it's psycho or it's going to crush. And luckily it crushed. So. Oh, good, good. <laughs> All right. Well, Ellen and I will come. We're going. Yay. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody go find Marsha because uh, she's so great. I mean, you're so great. And you said everything I needed to hear today. So thank you for that. If no one else needed it, I did. <laughs> no, they all did. Everybody did. Um, all right. Cool. Yay, Bye. 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 That was such a good episode. I love Marsha Belsky so much. She's I really do. She's so real. She fucking tells it like it is. She knows herself so well, you know, like. Yeah. It's really put me in the mood for some musical comedy. I know. It made me miss like doing musical. I mean, I do musical comedy, but not, you know, I don't bring a piano. I don't know how to play piano. I don't bring a piano around town with me, but. I right. always want to, maybe I'll get to collaborate with her, you know? I'm going to manifest oh, that'd it. that'd be fun. I'd I know. love to see that. She's, she's awesome. Um, Ellen, how, has, how have you been? How has your employed life been? You were traveling. You are around towns. Traveling. Yeah, I traveled for work. I went to Miami for the first time ever, which was really fun. Congrats. Uh, thank you. That's uh, nice. That's it was fun. hot. It was hot down there. Not, not like New York at all. I was going to say, do you mean weather? Do you mean like, it was sexy, man. It was a hot Miami town. Is a sexy hot town. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh but my other God. than that, you know, I'm just like when it's November, December, like work is sort of like stop Ugh. and go a lot because of all of the holiday time. Ellen, I have to tell you, I had um, we haven't recorded in a little while. I had mm-hmm. a job that I was very excited about. Amazing. Thank tell you. us more. What was it? Can I you say? booked. Sure. I I think so. I booked a voiceover uh, gig. So if anybody listens to this podcast, um, if you if it's a radio job. <laughs> so if you listen to the radio in the northeast, uh, you know, I should say more. Yeah. Northeast area. It's more like Massachusetts. Um, OK, I that makes sense. Massachusetts for I think because the company is. Dunkin' Donuts. Which is, like, huge in Massachusetts. Huge, huge. Yeah. Honestly, I, I was so excited about it, but it was also a very hard gig because, you know, a lot of voiceover gigs are done from home now, and it's just, like, you know, it's 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 different to when you're, like, working with people you've never met, and it's all audio, and you're in your closet for a while, and it's hot, and, you know, but it's, like, the best sound, and it was just, like... You know, the job was great. The things that were stressful were like just the the pandemic, you know, like problems where it's like I'm not going into a studio. Sometimes you go into studios now. And I think, you know, like in the commercial world, everything's booked very like last minute. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say all of this on air, actually, but... (laughs) We can cut it out if you want to. I don't to. know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Um, I think I'm allowed to say it. But yeah, who cares? I said it on my Instagram. Um, but I was going to say, like, you know... The commercial world moves fast. Like you'll audition for something and then the next day, if you're booked, it's like, boom, be on set the next day or whatever. But everything moves so fast that for voiceovers, you know, they have the luxury of being like, yeah, we can book, but they have to do it from home. So, yeah. and there's, you know, they have the right programs and stuff now that they can use to to record you like from your own microphone and stuff. But it was like, 
It was just the first, like, I had done one other one in, for remotely, but it was like, this was bigger and it was, it was stressful. I was just like, I hope this sounds okay. You know, I hope like my dog doesn't bark. Like I just, you know, there's a lot yeah. of like dumb factors that I'm like worried about, but yeah, but it was but, cool. You know, that's like the producer's job to, or the sound technician's job to be like, you know, we got to do another take or whatever. Like that's why there's money for these things like to have yeah. the time to make it the best possible quality yeah that's exciting yeah it was fun so if you're in boston uh and you hear me on the radio y'all record it let me know get send it to me um it was just already... solo like no other you weren't talking to somebody else mm-hmm. yeah it was just me cool yeah it was fun there's four spots so there's four different versions like four different time lengths of it so oh my god i love it we'll see that's gonna be so fun to hear yeah now i gotta just book the next one you know what i mean i need next month's rent coming in so i i feel like i've been trying to manifest more ellen i'm really getting a little like yeah we talked it, about that yeah last time, I, I think. and i feel like it's like you know it's a good way to think to think like, like you, you've been manifesting for yourself a little thank bit thank you yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, and I'm going to lose my shit tonight. I, I feel like I'm going to manifest even more tonight at Wicked. You know, when I see Broadway, my my brain goes into another world. So hopefully, I hope it's as good as I remember. And I'm sure it will be, you know, oh, yeah. just to, to see it again. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Um, anyway, you guys, I, I got to give you the biz. Listen, we love doing this podcast. My goal, I'm we're getting to 100 episodes. I want to do the 100th episode live. I have a dream guest, but you're going to laugh. Uh, but I, I don't know if she'll ever do the podcast. So we'll see. I'm going to manifest it, though. Okay, I'm going to manifest it. Should I manifest it on air, who I want on the podcast? Um, I thought about- Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, I want Robin, NYC who is a Peloton instructor. She is my favorite Peloton instructor. Robin Arson, I love you. If you guys know Robin, she ran the New York City Marathon today. Um, She's just like so inspirational and she plays bomb music and she's just like a fucking boss. And she always talks about her career change because she was a lawyer and now she's like one of the top Peloton instructors. And I just think she'd be an amazing person to chat with about like how she went through that transition because she talks about it a lot on the bike. So there you go. There you go, Robin NYC. Okay, I really want her to be on the podcast. It doesn't have to be the 100th episode, any episode. You know what I mean? We'll catch her when we can catch her. Um, but, yeah, guys, go listen to all the other episodes. Spread the love of Unemployed. Uh, you know, we're here, we're doing this, and uh, and we do it for you. So if you love these episodes, please write a review. I know that sounds so, like, shitty to say, but, like, the reviews really do pump it up on Apple Podcasts. They, like, push it up, you know, in the numbers, in the charts, and whatever. Mm -hmm. So if you can write a review, I would love that. If you have it in your heart and you want to throw a couple bucks at us every month to keep this thing going, I mean, patreon.com slash unemployed podcast. We love you back. And, uh, I don't know, just word of mouth, you know, tell someone, post it on Instagram. If you want to be on the podcast, I want to do more episodes where we talk to our listeners. So I really, really do. If you want to be on it, please shoot us an email, shoot us a DM. Um, we check those, uh, email the unemployed team at gmail.com. Very easy. DM us on any platform that we're on Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and you'll be on, you'll be on. We'll chat with you. Hell All yeah. right. Bye. Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steele, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you.